I mean, it's, uh, it's always thrilling when major news breaks and to be able to share it with you. And then, most importantly, uh, one of the themes of today's program was you. We had, uh, I think, some remarkable conversations, some uh, some really good back and forth, and I really enjoyed it. I'm going to try to uh, do that much more often here on this program because uh, this isn't just me, all right? Uh, there are two parts to every conversation. There's uh, one guy talking and another one, and, and anyway, I want you to be more uh, a part of this conversation. Uh, I need a break from talking anyway. <laughs> As you hear, I get worked up sometimes. I need you to calm me down, so that's going to be a point here going forward. You're going to be a much bigger part of this program. All right. I want to share with you just a few of the election stories which you may not have yet heard. That because, well, the there's only so much uh, air in the room. There's only so much bandwidth, as uh, the young people say, to cover this type of stuff. And, uh, you know, for the past week, it has been pretty much presidential politics and presidential campaigns wall to wall to wall to wall to wall, most notably with the developments uh, that have come, you know, from the most recently reported data out of Pennsylvania, many news outlets declaring victory uh, and projecting victory for uh, Joe Biden. While all that has been going on, there have been some fascinating and even some history-making races uh, going on further on down the ballot across this great country. You heard me briefly talk about one such race, which happened in uh, Texas, in Texas's uh, 13th congressional district. It's one of the most Republican uh, districts in the entire nation, more so even than uh, Utah's first congressional district. District, which I believe, I believe, uh, in cor- according to voting records, is like is the thirteenth most uh, conservative, reddest in the nation. Anyway, in Texas, even more so. And the the new, likely uh, new representative from Texas's thirteenth congressional district, uh, Ronnie Jackson. Now, do you recognize that name, Ronnie Jackson? Yeah, it turns out Ronnie Jackson, if you remember, way back to the the George W. Bush administration, he was appointed as the White House physician. Jackson uh, retired from the Navy as a rear admiral admiral just last year. And from the his time serving with the George W. Bush administration, he then stayed on, served as President Obama's physician. And then when, uh, you know, Donald Trump took over the White House, uh, Mr. Jackson stayed on as the White House physician. And you you may remember, here, here's just a, a quick look at uh, one of the summaries of the president's health that Ronnie Jackson gave once. The president's overall health is excellent. His cardiac performance during his physical exam was very good. He continues to enjoy the significant long-term cardiac and overall health benefits that come from a lifetime of abstinence from tobacco and alcohol. And now here's an interesting twist in, in this story. Uh, after the departure from the White House by uh, Mr. Ronnie Jackson, Texan, he was offered by President Trump the position uh, of Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Well, Ronnie Jackson, he withdrew his uh, candidacy. Here's President Trump responding to that withdrawal. Ronnie Jackson, Admiral Doctor, is one of the finest men that I've met over the last long period of time. High quality. There you go. Uh, Jackson uh, projected to defeat. Now, and I see I'm going to use this word projected all, all the time now. <laughs> projected to defeat, because I'm self-conscious, uh, to defeat Democratic nominee Gus Trujillo and uh, Libertarian candidate Jack Westbrook to win the seat uh, which was vacated by Mac Thornberry, or at least uh, will be vacated come the end of the year and the dawn of the new Congress. Mac Thornberry, uh, chairman of the House, or, or rather ranking member 
of the House Armed Services Committee. Anyway, so from White House doctor to member of Congress, I cannot think of anyone else who has followed that same uh, trajectory. Uh, Now on to Georgia. Now, this one is getting a good deal of play because uh, in in Georgia, now now I wasn't paying too much attention to Georgia uh, on election night, nor even the night that followed, but Georgia does something interesting. You see, in Georgia, to win uh, an election, at least to uh, secure a seat representing the state in the United States Senate, you need to get over 50% of the vote. All right. And, you know, a number of parties are represented in the the race. And so it is possible for once all the votes are cast for not a single candidate to come away with more than 50 percent of the vote or rather more than half of the voting Georgians to want to see that individual represent them in the United States Senate. And in the state of Georgia this year, that is the case in both instances, both Senate seats were up for uh, election and neither or no one, no one involved in either of those races was able to secure more than 50 percent uh, on the Republican Party or from the Republican Party. David Perdue uh, was able to get 49.7 percent. You imagine that three tenths of a percent away from uh, a seat in the United States Senate and not quite able to pull it off. Uh, His challenger, Democratic nominee, uh, secured 47.9 percent. Now, what does that leave? Uh, You you do the math there and there's not not many percentage points out there floating. Well, the sum total of all the other candidates was 2.3 percent. So come January 5th, in this runoff election, runoff meaning uh, that you narrow it down to the top two vote getters, and then uh, you know someone has to come away with more than half, and so it will be Purdue up against Ossoff, the Democratic nominee, uh, battling for those 2.3 percentage points uh, uh, for either one of them. It could mean uh, it could mean a seat in the United States Senate. Now that is uh, the that's the less exciting runoff election in Georgia. The other one is between uh, Raphael Warnock, Democratic nominee, who uh, secured 32.9% of the vote, uh, about 1.6 million. The, the, the most votes, the highest number of votes secured by a single candidate in that race. Now, wh- how is that possible? Georgia, Kelly Loeffler, uh, she gained 25.9%. But there was another Republican in the race, Doug Collins, uh, you, you've probably heard of Doug Collins before, a fierce defender of the president. And we've heard just today that he is announced to have a pretty prominent role in the in President Trump's campaign legal defense team or however you describe that. Uh, he secured 20 percent. 20 percent. And so you had two Democrat or I'm sorry, two Republicans there split that vote. Doug Collins uh, and the other uh, candidates will be dropped from the list and it will be uh, Warnock versus Loeffler, the the Demo- or the Republican to see who ultimately comes away with it. Now, the pollsters who have demonstrated an inability to secure accuracy at every turn are predicting that that Republicans will win both of those seats. In the Purdue race, it'll be uh, pretty close. And uh, in the Loeffler race, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, the prediction is that Republicans will secure those two seats and by so doing, retain uh, control of the United States Senate. Uh, anyway, so there's a second story, which is fascinating, which uh, I think will, you know, once the dust settles on the presidential election, this will emerge uh, front and center as the as the real story to follow. 
another story, which I don't have too much time to get into, but uh, you'll remember there was a Jeff Kaplan's My Minute of News from last week that looked at a, uh, there was a North Dakota election <clears throat> where the candidate passed away before Election Day and still ended up winning or receiving, you know, the highest number of votes. Absolutely fascinating story. And so we'll have to see how, uh, you know, how, how that's responded to. Right now, it looks as if the Republican Party there in North Dakota, and this is for a state house uh, race, not uh, not the United States Congress. So it may not elevate much beyond uh, where it's been thus far in terms of, you know, the news cycle. But uh, the Republican Party looks like they will have to uh, fill the vacancy until a special election. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, what else? Uh, well, <clears throat> one thing, back to that Georgia race, if uh, if there were to be uh, a defeat and, to, and Democrats were able to secure both of those seats, the job of Kamala Harris, should she become the next vice president of the United States or the president of the Senate, her job uh, description would change dramatically as the tie-breaking vote. All right, that's it for me. Time to step aside. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Now time for Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio.